Go ahead and give him praise. Engele de boze berekite ne keli ne mombro godozo bereketi na kalide bobobo. Oh yes, go ahead, give him praise. Give him thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sins in light. We are partakers, we are partakers, we are qualified. Agebo jekele de bobro godobo zekele de brina katole ne manga. Egebo jekele de babra godozo bereketi ne keli ne mamamba. We partake of our inheritance. We partake of the glorious light of the gospel. We partake of revelation knowledge. Legra da zobre neke kalita banga lede bozo koroto sekele de brina. Egeba jekele nenge gege. Egele ne mana gadala de babra gadiza bereketi ne keli ne mamaya. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we rejoice that we have this another opportunity to learn to grow, to be equipped. And we thank you because you are building us up for the things you have ahead to carry out in our generation through us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have found us fit and qualified us, made us worthy to be co-laborers together with you. So tonight as your word comes forth, it comes forth with clarity. Our eyes of understanding clearly, clearly enlightened. And we rejoice that by the end of this service, we'll be the better for it. So we give you praise, glory, and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer sees a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Are we excited to be in the fellowship tonight with one another? Let's celebrate our fellowship in the word tonight. Glory, glory, glory. Is that a celebration at all in this place? Whoa! Amen. With joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. Glory to God. Alright, grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self tonight. Let's get into the word. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. All of our social media community, brothers and sisters online, what a joy to have all of you connected from all over the world in real time as we fellowship together in the word of his grace. Help me share the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and make sure you put you you you, you press the thumb on the Facebook that is putting your like on the video for today. And also make sure you engage in the course of the service. It helps our it helps us to be able to have the kind of visibility that we require. And also we are tweeting on Twitter. Don't don't you know don't stay out of the tweets. If there are tweets in the course of the service, you just put out a tweet there with the hashtag NCCM2023. We also want to welcome the radio audience in Akwaibom State Connected, whichever radio or radio station.
station you're hearing me from, call a friend, a loved one, ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. What a joy to have all of you as part of our church family, learning and growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We also want to welcome all the campuses around the world, citizens around the world. What a joy to have all of you together. We're learning and growing because of the huge assignment that is ahead of us, reintroducing Jesus to this generation, equipping the believer to know who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, and what Christ can do through you. What a joy to have everybody here tonight. Glory to God. All right, let's get in the world. We are still examining in Christ realities. Our new creation camp meeting 2023 is still on. Second Peter chapter 3 verse number 15. Second Peter chapter 3 verse number 15. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you. Next verse. As also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So we've been looking at Brother Paul's Israel, or, you know, we're examining Brother Paul's Israel. And Peter is saying in this text of scripture we just read, in other words, that Paul's letters had the authority of scriptures, that the Pauline letters had the authority of scriptures and at the same time he is telling us that the wisdom paul had about salvation is in the scriptures brother paul's sophia is in the scriptures that word sophia there refers to an insight and it's also connected to a kind of education that brings skill so this is skillfulness in paul's approach of the jewish scriptures there is a skillfulness in Paul's approach of the Jewish scriptures. Never forget that the Old Testament letters are the Jewish scriptures. When I make mention of that, it's to help your reasoning. Because that's what they are, Jewish scriptures. And that is in the story of humanity, we have the legend of Zeus and all the different legends. you know. And, um, um, but this is a Jewish story. Is a Jewish story. And the stories are usually similar with the stories of other legions. You know, because legions are usually passed down. Oral theories and stories. Oral theories and stories. But to us, which believe in Jesus Christ, this is our story. The Jewish story becomes our story. And that's how to settle when you are curious when you are a person of faith, then you now become a person of knowledge. What I mean is this. You don't know to believe. You believe first to know. You don't know first to believe. You believe first, then you get to know. Alright, that's very important. You get to now know what you have believed. You believe first, then you get to know what you have believed. Because you are a person of faith, then a person of knowledge. So Paul had this insight into the Jewish letters, Jewish scriptures from Genesis to Malachi. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verse number 15, brother Paul begins to speak to, to Timothy, his son, and he says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The word wise, there is the word sophizo, which comes from the sophia of brother Paul. It's able to make thee wise sophizo. Now look at verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, that word from a child is the word brephos in the Greek. Brephos, which is spiritually speaking. Again, this is brother Paul Sophia. His scriptures are profitable for teaching the word didaskalia, didaskalia, for teaching, which is a compound word. Then the teaching now brings reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. All scriptures are profitable, useful, or advantageous for teaching, didaskalia. And then along with teaching will come reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So Paul's Sophia will be his doctrine or his explanation of scriptures. His Sophia will be his explanation of scriptures. Remember, didaskalia, all right, we split it into four. We have didache, which I told you is the real key. For example, what we are doing now is to investigate brother Paul's didache. To investigate brother Paul's mode of explanation. And that's why it appears like in this series, your mind is being taxed. It's like I'm stretching your mind. It's like I'm engaging your thinking. It's like I'm stretching your mind, you know, your thoughts. Because we are examining and investigating brother Paul's didache or his mode of explanation. So somehow, as I'm teaching, your mind is moving through the scriptures. What comes to your mind is the Old Testament as we teach. Because that's exactly what this is about. We are looking at his didache, his explanation of the Old Testament. And like I said at the beginning of this series, that we are looking at Christ in Paul and Paul in Christ. Eventually, I'm sure, in you know, as we proceed with in Christ realities, we will also examine Christ in Moses and Moses in Christ. But that's for the future. Let's stay with Paul first, all right? Now, didaskalia is the key word, that word doctrine, where you have the word didache. Didache is the mode of explanation, like we said the other day. Didache is the mode of explanation. Then we have the didaskolos. Didaskolos is the teacher. Didaskolos, that's the teacher. And then we have didasko, the art of instructing itself. Didasko, the art of instructing itself. Then we have didaskalia, which will now be the doctrine. Didaskalia. And the doctrine will be Paul's insight into the scriptures. The doctrine will be brother Paul's insight into the scriptures, which will be salvation through faith, which is in Christ. Exactly what Peter also acknowledged. Okay, this is what Peter acknowledged. Soteria, pistos, and Christos. Soteria, pistos. You remember pistos? Pistos and Christos. That is, this is salvation through faith, which is in Christ. 
of course, the last time we didn't, you know, we, we, we dealt with that word faith or the word pistos. And I told you that the word pistos is a very big word that involves God's faithfulness. It involves God's faithfulness and our trust in that faithfulness and God's loyalty to his covenant. God's faithfulness, our trust in that faithfulness and God's loyalty to his covenant. So it's not just that, that, that faith, you know, it's not just that faith. And we also saw that Jesus' narrative about faith moved from what man does to what God does. The narrative of Jesus about the subject of faith moves from what man does to what God does. It is to say to this mountain, whosoever shall say to this mountain, and the next thing is you pray. And the prayer he talks about here is the forgiveness of sins in that Mark 11, which is exactly the Matthew chapter 6 kingdom account. He brings in Matthew chapter 6 kingdom account. So he brings in mountain because as he does, he heals the sick. Then he expands the narratives. He expands it because he always gives you the bigger picture. So as he gives them bread, they are eating bread, he gives them the bigger picture. As he gives them water, they are drinking water, he gives them the bigger picture. He always deals with eternal life. In his words, in the words of Jesus, he always made the narratives point to eternal life. Because the words of Jesus are eternal life. They are words of eternal life. And speaking to a tree, you know, and the tree dries up, it's not eternal life. But he expands the narrative of that faith in. Faith in to faith of. Faith in. He expands the narrative. From faith in to faith of. And then to the faith about. Faith in. Faith of. Faith about. So we have the faith in and the faith of. And the faith about, which is the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. So that narrative always explains it. So here where you have salvation through faith, or it now becomes salvation through the faithfulness of God in the scriptures. Salvation through the faithfulness of God in the scriptures and then our trust in that faithfulness salvation through the faithfulness of god in the scriptures and then our trust in that faithfulness that means he promised he did it and we believe it he promised he did it and we believe it so that word pistis is therefore a very expansive word. Just like when we looked at this, you know, last year. Now quickly, look at Luke chapter 25. I mean 24 verse 25 to 27. Luke chapter 24 verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Next verse. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter 
into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When he engaged those guys on the road to Emmaus, he said to them, fools, you're fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. We said it was to rework their thinking of the Old Testament around himself. Jesus was reworking the thinking of the disciples of the Old Testament around himself. And then we said that is what is called repentance. That is what is called repentance. A change of mindset. So when you see the book of Acts talk about repentance. And the book of Matthew recalls that John the Baptist talks about repentance. That repentance is to see the God of Israel in Christ. To see the God of Israel in Christ. That's the repentance. To see the God of Israel in Christ. Please, that's very important. And so Jesus does his daimonio, which is to interpret a word that has to do with the, you know, emis. That is, look at words spoken primarily. Then he reworks them and then lets them see that many things that were taught were representations. As he was reworking the narratives, he let them see that many things that were taught were representations. So if you look at the Old Testament, therefore you will find things that refer to Christ. And those things are a representation. I know I told you of Moses who was the first writer and the importance of Moses' writings. I told you that Moses gave us the building blocks for Bible doctrine. The first writer. Moses set the premise on which all other writers wrote so that there's consistency of theology. So Moses is the foundation of all of Bible doctrine. The truth is that Moses therefore gives us that leverage of using representations. Moses gives us the leverage of using representations. So he's similarly introduced that. So when you hear Psalm 78 verse 2, put it up, Psalms chapter 78 verse number 2, when you hear David say, I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings of old. From the foundation of the world, these things were spoken in parables. That is, from the foundation of the world, these things were spoken in parables. Who is the foundation of Bible doctrine? Moses. Which means from the beginning of Moses' writing, which is which book? Genesis. How are those representations communicated? In parables. In parables. So from Genesis 1, you will begin to see that leverage that Moses gives to us in the format of representations. Please stay with me. Because Moses is the one that wrote from the foundation of the world or from the foundation of the world he spoke. That is Moses. And then the speaking becomes the writings. He gave the oracles of God. And he is speaking in dark speeches or representations. That representation is now what Paul leverages on. Then he explains Christ from the representations of Moses. 
Just like Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. And beginning at Moses' representations. And all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. If you are with me to this level, can I have a very good amen? Very good. Now, something happened in that Luke's account. And I gave you a hint. That all the synoptic writers... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they are called synoptic books, weighed in on Christ's interpretation. Now, I know that a great theologian of repute, whom I respect very dearly, E.W. Kenyon did say in his book, the book titled New Creation Realities, you know, he did say that he submits that though the four Gospels were written after the resurrection, but the Spirit of God shut their minds away from the revelation of Paul. I kind of slightly disagree with that because it doesn't appear so. So E.W.K. now said that John wrote John chapter 1 verse 16 and he was pointing to the new covenant. The truth is John was writing from the post-resurrection experience. But what he wrote in John 1 16, look at it, put it up for me, John chapter 1 verse 16 and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace of his fullness have we all received grace for grace he wasn't writing about the resurrection when he said of his fullness have we all received grace for grace he wasn't writing about the resurrection he was writing about the glory of God in the incarnation we beheld his glory and when we looked at him we saw that the glory of the incarnation was full of grace and truth now of the fullness of that glory of the incarnation is where we are now going to receive grace for grace because there wouldn't have been death, burial, and resurrection if there was no incarnation. If you're following, say, I hear you. So he said, we beheld his glory. John is writing about the incarnation. But I agree with W. Kenyon that truth, the truth is that they did their best not to appear in their writing like they were writing post-resurrection realities. They did their best, you know, the synoptic writers. But the truth is, it slipped into the way they thought. For example, I believe that Luke here, he is of course, if you know Dr. Luke, he was a disciple of Brother Paul. Dr. Luke was a disciple of Brother Paul. So he wrote the book of Acts. When he said, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That was Luke writing, okay? He opened their understanding, Luke 24, that they might understand the scriptures. He uses two things. First of all, pay attention. Luke 24, 32. Pay attention. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? But what happened before then was that their eyes were opened and they saw him. Their eyes were opened and they saw him and he vanished out of their sight. Then they now said, did not our hearts burn while he talked with us by the way? 
and while he opened to us the scriptures. So I submit that Luke again is acting polite in that communication. He's using a prefiguring of an Old Testament account because of how it sounds. Our hearts burned. Our eyes were opened and we knew him. He was using a prefiguring of an Old Testament account. You know, most prophets in the Old Testament were known to have this aspect of judgment in their thinking. Judgment. Most of those prophets. Which Jesus takes away in his revelation. Okay? Remember the incarnation defined what God did. And what God never did. Did I, did I say that yesterday? Okay, now. But a particular one that seems to address this particular Luke 24 incidents will be the second Kings chapter 6 account. The story where the mountain was surrounded. You know, Elisha and his boy were there on the mountain. And the boy came to the master and said, Alas, master, what shall we do? We're in trouble. The mountain is surrounded with enemies all over the place. Master, what shall we do? We are in trouble. Then look at that 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 16. Let's look at that narrative. 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 16. And he answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Next verse. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. If you observe what happened in Luke, the way Luke recorded it, you know John will say, emphasau, that's the way John will speak. Emphasau means he breathed on them. The Holy Ghost. That's the way John records it. He breathed. But Luke now said, he opened their understanding. Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he may see. And the Lord opened his eye and he saw. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand. John was brief. But Luke uses a word, dinogio, in the Greek. It means to split open the mind for the first time. Like the baby that comes out of the womb for the first time, you know, in, in, in conception and birth. That opening, that first opening is dinogio. That is said, they've been reading the scriptures of the prophet all their lives. They never knew what it meant. It was only on that day, as Jesus began to talk to them, that their eyes were split open and their understanding came alive. Something that didn't exist before. Dinogio. That they might understand the scriptures. And he uses that word dinogio twice. Okay? Observe that on the road to, to Emmaus experience came into brother Paul's prayer. That experience on the Emmaus road came into the Pauline prayer. It came into brother Paul's prayer for the church. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. The eyes of your understanding be opened. Now you know, the believer cannot have a dinogio after salvation. Okay? 
The believer cannot have a dinogio after salvation. Salvation is the dinogio of the believer. So it is because the eyes of your understanding opened that you received the gospel and you are now saved. It is not after you are saved that your eyes will be opened. It is the opening of your eyes to the gospel that got you saved. So why will brother Paul pray for the eyes of people that are already born again to be enlightened? Please pay attention. Well, that prayer is the prayer of affirmation. The Ephesians 1, 16, 17, 18 prayer is the prayer of affirmation that what you have seen, keep seeing. What you have seen, keep seeing. So it will be confirmation because the revelation in the gospel, then the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, then keep your eyes on what you have seen. The revelation in the gospel, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, then keep your eyes as a prayer of confirmation on what you have seen. Now look at the Luke's account again. And Paul, because what happened on the way to Emmaus is similar to Paul's prayer. Your eyes being enlightened that you may know, that you may see. Paul's enlightenment there is enlightenment in the scriptures. A pastor was preaching somewhere and he said, you can pray that prayer, brother Paul prayed, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what business to carry out. That is reading your thoughts into the prayer. He was not praying for you to know business. He was not praying for you to know which wife to marry. He was not praying for you to know which husband to, to be married to. He was not praying for you to know whether to travel or not to travel. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened is to know scriptures. The revelation of, of God in Christ via the scriptures of the Old Testament. So the opening of the eyes there is the opening of the eyes to the revelation of God's word. Are we teaching here? Yeah. And it's specific. It's not ambiguous within that context that you may know the hope of your calling. That you may know the riches of his inheritance. That you may know the exceeding greatness of his power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in the heavenlies far above. And he has made him to be the head to the church which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He is not praying an ambiguous prayer for you to know whether to travel or not to travel. For you to know who to marry. No, 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 no. He was praying for you to know, to know the things that are yours as revealed in the pages of the Holy Scriptures. If it's clear, can I have a powerful amen? Well, first of all, the servant didn't see them. Okay? In that Luke chapter, I mean, in that Second Kings where we were. And I'm going to show you a few things there. <clears throat> now, your eyes being enlightened that you may see. Second Kings again, chapter 6, verse 16. Second Kings, chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, master, how shall we do? Next verse. And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Next verse. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire 
round about. His eyes were opened. He prayed, the prayer was answered, and his eyes were opened. Now, look at verse 18. Verse 18, and then we'll look at verse 20. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite these people, I prayed it with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now look at verse 20. Sometimes we don't read down. We just stop at where the miracle happened. And it came to pass when, that, when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. <clears throat> so two things have happened. First of all, the servant didn't see them, I mean the chariots. Then they also have not seen the chariots. So then both they and the servants and the enemy, they saw very uniquely, very uniquely. Look at verse 21 of that Second Kings chapter 6, verse 21. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, my father, Shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? Well, it appears that this is the looks prefiguring. That when they saw, they went back to their master. When they saw what he prayed for them to see, they went back to their master. It's not a perfect narrative, but you can pick certain details in that narrative. But this scene into the spiritual reality is exactly what Luke talks about in Luke 24. To see into the spiritual reality. And then brother Paul, there's no other example of it in the Old Testament. That was the only example of that narration we have in the entire Old Testament. So we submit to what Paul is saying. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you will see a reality that already exists. And that reality is found in the work of Christ. That you will see a reality that already exists. And that reality is found in the work of Christ. Elisha the servant and the king comes into that repentance. So look at Luke 24 47. Now look Chapter 24, verse 47. <clears throat> Glory to God. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Whoa. Faith is that sin or that repentance. That's faith. That repentance. That metanau. Metanao. That is metanao or repentance to see into scripture. To have your mind opened. To have your mind opened to the scriptures or open to the scriptures. Whichever one resonates with you. Look at Acts 5.31. Acts chapter 5 verse number 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. That's Peter in his preaching. So Peter in his preaching now says, it is God that grants the repentance. 
So, in the resurrection of Jesus, there is the repentance of Israel. In the resurrection of Jesus, there is the repentance, the change of mind of Israel. That is, their thinking and their knowledge is altered in that resurrection. And that's the repentance. Their thinking and their knowledge is altered in the resurrection. And that is the repentance there. Now yesterday we looked at two laws. We have the law of sin and death. Huh? Is the law of sin and death God? Huh? Is that God? No. Is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus God? Yes. So we have the law of faith or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is the law of the spirit. We were able also to look at Romans chapter 3, where Paul said, do we make void the law? And he said, no, rather we establish the law. Question, what law? The law of Christ. We establish the law of Christ. The law of the spirit of life where? In Christ. Or the law of faith. The law of faith. And we were able to look at key things in that law. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we saw that the key things in the law is the heart and the mouth. Not the table of stones. The key things in the law is the heart and the mouth. Not the tables of stone. But the heart and the mouth. And then a Christ who is in heaven. And then a Christ who is in the sea. Is that what we saw? A Christ in heaven and a Christ in the sea. Who shall go up? Who shall go down? Did we see that yesterday? Who shall go up? We saw it both in Deuteronomy and we saw it in Romans, both in Moses' verbiage, which brother Paul used in his verbiage in the book of Romans. Now, so the law of faith says, in my heart and in my mouth, I will say that God has raised Jesus from the dead. When I say that from my heart and my mouth, I am saved. That's the law of Christ. That's the law of Christ. So, when he says, who shall go to the sea? The sea is death. Who shall raise Jesus from the dead? Or who shall ascend into heaven? Okay, so the sea and the heaven in Moses' writing was about the burial of Jesus and the ascension. So he is saying to us that if a man in his heart and mouth can say that he believes that Jesus was buried on the third day, he rose and ascended. That man is saved. And Moses said, I set before you life and death. I set before you good and evil. You should choose good. Choose life. What is good? What is life? It is to affirm the fact that Christ is buried and raised from Moses' writing. To choose good and to choose life is Moses' verbiage for death, burial, and resurrection. 
And Jesus said that you see, if you believe in Moses, you will believe in me. For he wrote of me. If you can look at the words of faith in Moses, then you believe in Christ. So, Moses' faith message, is it Christ's message? Okay. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. Let's affirm that. Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The same gospel preached to us was preached to them. So two things. We have seen of brother Paul's Israel. Number one, we saw the God of Israel. Yahweh. Jehovah. Number two, we saw the law. The law of God. The law of Christ. So, we have reworked those two. We said that the moment your knowledge is wrong, your worship cannot be right. The moment your knowledge of God is wrong, your worship cannot be right. So, the worshiper of truth is the one who sees God in Christ. The worshiper of truth is the person who sees God in Christ. The true worshiper. The truth in John's letters is about Jesus. So, true worshiper is the worshiper found in Christ Jesus. So, the moment you see it's not about crying. Cry. Ooh, 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 ooh. No. We should get to the point where we, what we say in praise and worship is not about us, but about him. The focus should be him. The reason why you are crying is because you are looking at your, your dilapidated condition. If you are looking at him in his majesty, instead of crying, you will be full of gratitude and exaltation. Am I teaching good here? The devil wants you to focus on you. God wants you to focus on him. If you focus on you, you'll be full of self-pity. If you focus on him, you will see the victory that is yours. Somebody say, I hear you. I believe that when you see his beauty, and when you see that Yahweh who comes with his people, you see his holiness. His holiness exposes our unworthiness. See that? But more than that, when you see your unworthiness, you feel indebted to him forever. When you see your unworthiness in the face of his graciousness, then you feel indebted to him forever. I will sing of your love forever. I will sing of your love forever. You know the song, right? Yeah, you feel indebted to him forever. You feel indebted to him. You remain loyal to him forever. You never deserved it. You never qualified for it. If for if anything, you're only qualified for doom and disaster. But he took it. He took it. And gave you what you never deserved. When you see him in the beauty of his holiness and in his graciousness, your unworthiness gets more exposed than you feel eternally indebted to the graciousness of God. That's why Jesus will tell a woman about five husbands. 
She's not crying and looking for deliverance. By the time he finishes with her, she wants to go and preach. He didn't finish with her and leave her broken, battered, spoiled and messed up. No. When Jesus finished with her, she felt fit. She felt complete. She felt able. And then she felt indebted to hit the city and bring men to the knowledge of this Jesus. When you truly experience the real love of God and the genuine gospel, it produces in you a desire to preach. Any believer that is not looking for how to preach the gospel to others, we need to cross-examine what he has had. A woman with five husbands, five, he didn't tell her, go and divorce them. He didn't tell her, go and settle the matter. He didn't call her adulterer. That's the graciousness of Jesus. You have five husbands, but don't worry. The hour cometh, and now is. You, no more mountain, no more Jerusalem. You are not a monkey jumping around mountains. It shall be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And she's looking. You have five husbands. And the one you are with now is not even your real husband. Eh? You are the Messiah. She ran to the city. That brought ministry out of her. You don't need to be in church for 10 years before you start getting people born again. That woman did not need complete discipleship class. I'm sure she just did discipleship 101. <laughs> and she went and brought a whole city. This year, we will win souls like never before. I'm not hearing your amen. Somebody shout, we'll do much more. Say, I have experienced the graciousness, the love of God. I am eternally indebted to the mandate of God upon my life. I didn't hear a powerful amen. He didn't expose her. He didn't. He didn't expose her weaknesses. He exposed her to his love and greatness. So that means the worship of God, when we have that knowledge of God, deepens our worship. The knowledge of God deepens our worship of God. The more you know, the deeper you get in worship. The more you know, the deeper you get in your, in your gratitude, in your selflessness. In your selflessness. Because true worship is to see him. To see that he is not in a mountain. Through worship is to see that God is not in Jerusalem. You don't need the wailing wall. Through worship is to see God in spirit. When Jesus mentions spirit, what is he talking about? Huh? When Jesus mentions the spirit, what is he talking about? The resurrection. In the resurrection is where God unites with man eternally. In the resurrection of Jesus is where God unites with man eternally. So therefore, God the Yahweh is found in Christ. He is found in Christ. And then the law. We saw the law. We saw God in Christ. Number one, Maka. Number two, the law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Which sets us free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. What is Paul doing in Romans chapter 8 verse 2? 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. He goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 30 where he says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. The law of the spirit of what? Life will be where? In Christ. So choose life was the message of Christ. He wrote of me. What is death? I said before you life and death. What is death? The law of sin and death. What is life? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So Paul got that Romans chapter 8 verse 2 from Moses' verbiage. What is the law of the spirit of life in Christ? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That's the law of faith. That's the law of faith. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We have seen two markers of Paul's Israel, and we have seen two markers of Jesus' Israel. The third marker will be circumcision. These are heavy issues with Jews. The third marker will be circumcision. The first marker among Jewish people, among the Jewish writings, Genesis to Malachi, is the marker of who is Yahweh Elohim. The second thing that is huge among the, the Old Testament writings is the law. The third one is circumcision. Now, circumcision literally will be the cutting of the foreskin of a male. The cutting of the foreskin of a male. And the first example we found, especially in Jewish oral history, will be Abraham. Abraham. And I want you to look at Brother Paul's argument. And you have to think here. Everybody, you have to think here now. What was the issue in Galatians chapter 2? Before we get to Galatians chapter 2, remember, let's take on the words of David, for example. What did David call Goliath? You uncircumcised Philistine. Double insult. You uncircumcised Philistine. It's like to say you are a stupid idiot. <laughs> you uncircumcised Philistine. Double barrel. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? You come against me with knives and cutlass, call sword. Even David knew better. But I come against you in the name of the God of Israel. Hmm. <laughs> That's a double-edged. So you find that at the moment Peter, brother Peter, went to the house of Cornelius, the issue was he went to eat with the uncircumcised. Peter went to eat with the uncircumcision. And Paul said, if the unbelieving bid you to come, Kai, brother Paul was very troublesome. He now said, after they were making trouble on Peter eating in the house of Cornelius with the uncircumcised, Paul now said, if the unbelieving bid you, to come and eat 
It asking no questions. <laughs> it asking no questions. <laughs> That's quite extreme. He now said, but someone with a weak conscience. <laughs> because of him, don't eat with an unbeliever. <laughs> Paul. Now, Jesus had prefigured that when he ate with sinners. And they even called him a wine barber. He was eating and drinking with sinners. They called him a gluten. <laughs> so, Jesus in his humanity shows the importance of community. Yeah. Community of that aggregation of men that in God there is no distinction in God there is no distinction of course he did that in Israel and he never classified the Pharisees differently he just classified all those who sought God with all their heart and he identified with them now Peter goes to the house of Cornelius after the vision where the angel asks him to eat to kill and eat that's why I prefer someone else's help, you know, helping someone else who had a vision. It's usually better that if you have a vision, you get somebody to help you with the interpretation because visions can be very complicating. They can be very complicating. And you know, your belief system can actually affect the kind of visions you see. <laughs> Your belief systems. It can affect the kind of... You start seeing all kinds of... You start seeing a particular pattern of things. <laughs> Today is snake. Tomorrow is monkey. Next tomorrow, elephant. <laughs> Your belief system. That's why visions are very complicated. Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. And he eats with the Gentiles. Now... That issue of Peter eating with the Gentiles, the uncircumcised by the Jewish people, resurfaced in Acts chapter 15. Please pay attention because this, this is something key that we're dealing with. So here is Paul in Antioch. And Peter is eating with everybody. They're having a nice time in office. Peter is eating with everybody in Antioch. Everybody. He's eating from everybody's plate. Then he sees some guys from Jerusalem coming. Then he withdraws. He just casually took his spoon and his plate and hid it by his leg and just moved away. <laughs> Peter is afraid of the Jerusalem brethren. He's afraid of those brethren. Now, the significance of that is, Paul said, you are not walking uprightly. Paul told Peter, you are not walking uprightly. That word uprightly is a strong word. It's the exact opposite of crippled. Peter, you are walking like a cripple. That is, your spiritual walk is the spiritual walk of a cripple. <laughs> Brother Paul. He said, Peter, you're not walking uprightly. You're walking crippled. He now said, let me ask you a question. 
You are like a cripple. In the truth of the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Paul now said, if the uncircumcised does the law, is he therefore circumcised? If the uncircumcised does the law, is he therefore circumcised? And if the circumcised doesn't do the law, huh? now, what was Paul driving at? He was saying the key issue for Paul was, what is that circumcision? We need to settle the matter. What is circumcision? Because it's huge among the Jews. We will come back to that Galatians account. But look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. We're looking at circumcision. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous. For me to teach you the same thing every day you come here is not grievous. In fact, that is how doctrine ought to be taught. But for you, it is safe to hear the same thing every day. Next verse. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Beware of the circumcision. The concision. The circumcision. He uses two words in that place. The word katatome and the word peritome. There are two Greek words. Katatome and peritome. First one he uses is the word katatome. Which is a mutilation. To mutilate. It's about the mutilation of Bible doctrine. Katatome. The mutilation of Bible doctrine. So Paul uses the word circumcision there for Bible doctrine. That is, they will mutilate Bible teaching. That's why he called them dogs. Beware of dogs. They will mutilate Bible teaching. That is, dogs are those who distort Bible truth. They distort Bible truth. They are those that take Ephesians 1.3 blessing and equate it with money and cars. Those are dogs. They distort Bible truth. Because if he says beware of circumcision and he meant in the flesh, he also was in the flesh. He also was circumcised in the flesh. So the circumcision there is not talking about flesh there. He's talking about Bible doctrine. Look at verse 3 of that Philippians chapter 3. Pay attention. Are you learning something? Philippians 3 verse 3. Put it up for me. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We are the circumcision. He now changes his word to peritomy a removal. A removal. Katatome, a mutilation. Peritome, a remover. The first one is a mutilation where you butcher something. And then he uses peritome to remove from. 
or to uncover. He says, we are the circumcision. Where is Paul getting this from? We are the circumcision that worship God in spirit. Okay? We are the circumcision that worship God in spirit, which is rejoice in Christ Jesus. That worship of God is our rejoicing in Christ Jesus. Is a Kai rule. We are the circumcision that worship God in spirit, which is rejoice in Christ Jesus. This rejoice is Bible doctrine. Then he now added, for you to know he's talking about Bible doctrine here, and have no confidence in the flesh. So that, that statement, have no confidence in the flesh, annuls everything about the circumcision of the flesh. It annuls everything. Which means the circumcision of the flesh, you know, avails nothing. Amounts to nothing. Then he now begins to identify himself. Verse 4 to 7 of Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 4 to 7. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he had whereunto, he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, and a Pharisee, Paul is speaking now, his credentials, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That word dung is the Greek word skubalon. Skubalon means eskrita. I count everything I had before now as eskrita for the excellency. So my confidence in the flesh in the light of Christ becomes eskrita. Including circumcision. It becomes escritas, kubalon. It means this shouldn't even be touched. Paul, why are you saying all of that? He said, because righteousness is in the faithfulness of Christ. Give me verse 8 and 9. I love this. Verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So he says, we are that circumcision that worship God in spirit. What is that worship? We rejoice in Christ. That is, we rejoice in the faithfulness of Christ. So he calls all of those, those guys that will twist the scriptures as the katatome, those who mutilate scriptures. And he says, two things they do. Those that mutilate scriptures there are two things he says they do in verse 18 and 19 of Philippians 3. Put it up for me. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Next verse. Whose end is destruction? 
whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. He says they are after their appetite. They are after their appetite. They see the preaching of the gospel as a means to an end, as a source of revenue. They see the preaching of the gospel as a career to make money. Because it will always focus on self. It will always focus on self. So Paul is saying that that circumcision is in the spirit. Because if it was in the flesh, it would not count its own as excreta. So the circumcision we are dealing with here is in spirit. In Colossians chapter 2. This therefore follows with what Jesus did in John chapter 4. And of course, there are two words there. You remember the proskoneo, huh? The proskoneo and the laterio. Proskoneo is to come before. Prostrate. Another word for reverence. Proskoneo. But here, he doesn't use proskoneo. He uses laterio. Laterio is to serve. They are synonyms. They have just a distinction. We are in Proskuneo is towards God. Laterio is for God. Proskuneo towards God. Laterio for God. That is, I am serving God for others. Or, I am serving others on behalf of God. But they carry the same truths. That is, this is in the spirit. We have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence where? In the flesh. So exactly, exactly what what Jesus said in John chapter 4 is what Paul is saying here. That is, no worship in the mountain, no worship in Jerusalem, True worship will be in spirit or true worship will be in his resurrection. When he said, mine hour is not come, that's indicative of what? Resurrection. Look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 to 13. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God who hath raised him from the dead. 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Had he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. So Paul again is establishing Israel in God. God in Christ. He's establishing Israel in God. God in Christ. Now we have established Israel in the law of God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now we establish Israel in the circumcision. Question. Where is Paul getting his verbiage from he's getting his verbiage from moses and abraham two writers 
on the circumcision, Paul is getting his verbiage from Moses and from Abraham. And Paul's argument is unassailable. Romans chapter 4, he speaks about Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh. What has he found? Verse 3. Look at what Paul said about Abraham in Romans chapter 4 verse 3. Please pay attention. Romans chapter 4. For what say of the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That is quoting from where? Genesis 15 verse 6. Okay, so that's where he got that Abraham believed. Now, so Abraham is justified how? By faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 7 now. Look at Romans chapter 4 verse number 7. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Quoting David from Psalm 32 verse 1 and 2. Paul is quoting David. Now look at verse 9. Let's follow Paul's argument. Verse 9 of Romans chapter 4. Comment this blessedness then. Please pay attention here. If you miss it, I shouldn't have been in this service. Comment this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Where was faith reckoned to Abraham for righteousness? Genesis 1. 15 verse 6. He's still staying there. Look at verse 10. Romans chapter 4 verse 10. How was it then reckoned? How was Abraham made righteous? How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So Abraham was righteous without the Jewish circumcision. That's the argument of brother Paul. Because if you read well, Abraham was circumcised two chapters after 15. But he was justified two chapters before circumcision. Are we teaching? So he's saying that if he was justified before the circumcision, then what do we call circumcision? <laughs> Why then does he need physical circumcision? If he was already justified in chapter 15 before being circumcised in chapter 17, then why does he need circumcision? Look at verse 11 of Romans chapter 4. Let's follow brother Paul's argument. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had, he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. What is he saying? He's saying the physical circumcision is a figure of speech. Paul is saying that the physical circumcision of Abraham was a figure of speech. It was to physically demonstrate what had happened in the heart. It was a physical demonstration of a heart condition. Why was this? Verse 11 and 12. Let me begin from 11b. That he might be 
the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Verse 12 now. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had, being yet uncircumcised. The word steps is the word stochio in the Greek. So Paul is playing with two kinds of circumcision. Did you observe that? Which is the first circumcision? Circumcision of the heart and circumcision of the flesh. So, which one is the circumcision? The heart or the flesh? The heart. Which one is the physical one? It will now be what? A figure of speech. So, can we therefore call physical circumcision a parable? Exactly. That's a parable. Hmm. Because what happens in the heart when faith is birthed is that sins are removed and the old man is dead. So what happens in the flesh will be a physical sign of that. So can we therefore say that just like he went to Mount Moriah to offer Isaac as a demonstration, Abraham is demonstrating in the flesh what happened in his heart. Can we say that? Yes. He need not do that for a man who is a believer in the gospel. So Paul therefore sees that again as a Christ explanation in the heart. So circumcision is a narration that gives us a Christ explanation of what happens in the heart of a man who believes the gospel. Teaching God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So look at Acts chapter 10 verse 11. Are you getting blessed? Acts chapter 10 verse 11. And saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and led down to the earth. Are you following? Okay. So, next verse. Give me the next verse. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. Next verse. And there came a voice to him. Rise, Peter, kill, eat. Wonderful. Can you imagine if you are giving these instructions in a vision? Rise. Rise. Gabriel. Kill. Eat. You come out and say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I have a reason, Lord. Who do I kill? Or what do I kill? Lord, what do I eat? Kill it first. You have to kill it first before you eat it. Imagine that you had that vision at 2 a.m. Rise. So you come out and a dog is standing in front. <laughs> You see the problem of visions. Visions are complicated. You see dogs standing in front. Kill. And the dog is looking at you. If they burn you well. Right. <laughs> you know say, Don't say the Lord. <laughs> the man that is prophesying to a dog. 
Don't say of the Lord. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down so I can kill you. I must eat you. Says the Lord. <laughs> what God has cleansed. <laughs> don't call it unclean. Peter will just say, don't mind that angel. <laughs> what is four-footed beast? <laughs> now, later on, after that vision, verse 43 of Acts, <laughs> Acts chapter 10, 43, <clears throat> to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Next verse. Ooh. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which had the word. He was still speaking. And these uncircumcised Gentiles we are hearing Emmanuel Kataya. Without his control, it was not the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. They were in the, they were in the, they were in that place praying. Bam! They started speaking in tongues. The same thing happened with the Gentiles. While Peter was yet speaking, all over the building, even Peter cannot control it. Maybe if Peter was the one to minister the Holy Ghost baptism to them in the way of prayer, he will have been looking at their faces. Gentile, step aside. Jew, come this way. This one just, and to his amazement, all of them are Gentiles. And they spoke the same way they spoke on the day of Pentecost. Wow. Peter in his heart must have said, I am in trouble. Woo! The other time I was just eating. <laughs> This one. <laughs> Glory to God. But you see, when God is giving you a mandate to a generation, he equips you with the boldness and the strength you require to, to bring that message before the people that God is sending you to. Somebody say, I hear you. I say, somebody say, I hear you. Now, so they believed. Look at verse 44. Romans Acts chapter 10 verse 44. Acts 10 44. While Peter yet spake, this was the Holy Ghost fell on all them which had the word. So two things happened. Number one, remission of sins. Number two, they believed. But in Acts 15 is where you need to listen to Peter. One singular experience and Peter now in Acts chapter 15 articulated five key things. You know, Acts 15 was Peter's explanation. And Peter was very direct. He did not mince words with those Jewish people. In Acts 15 chapter 1, look at what they said. Acts chapter 15 verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Except you are physically circumcised. That's the manner of Moses. You cannot be saved. Look at verse 5. Pay attention. Verse 5 of that same chapter. Verse 5. Acts 15, 5, brother. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them. These are believers. 
It was needful to circumcise them. That's how big circumcision was in Israel. It was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So now, this Jerusalem council are taking a decision on what to do with these Gentiles that spoke in tongues the other day. Say, don't mind. Because you spoke in tongues, you think you have crossed. You have not crossed the barrier. You must be circumcised. Otherwise, those your tongues are not original. <laughs> and we are going to impose it on them to keep the law of Moses. Yes. Otherwise, they are not saved. So, while they are taking counsel, verse 7, verse number 7 of Acts chapter 15, and when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Are you following? A while ago. That's house of Cornelius, right? House of Cornelius, right? So Peter was on a divine mission. Now, observe what Peter said. Hear the word of the gospel and believe. If your Bible was mine, I will underline. Hear the word. Number two, believe. Hear the word and word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8. Look at what Peter will say in verse 8. And God, which knoweth the hearts. If your Bible was mine, I will underline the hearts. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Knows the heart. Number one, hear the word of the gospel and believe. Number two, knows the heart. Number three, verse nine. Verse nine. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. If your Bible was mine, I will underline purifying their hearts by faith. Look at the elements. The gospel, faith, the heart, and the Holy Ghost. The gospel, faith, the heart, and the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 11 now. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Even as they. The word grace. Grace. These are signatures of the Paul's revelation. Grace which is charisma. That which is freely given. That which is freely given. Grace. Charisma. That which is freely given. The gospel. Which is good news. The word of the gospel. They believe. Then the heart, where the God of the Jews live. The God of the Jews live in the heart. He purifies their hearts by his faithfulness and your faith in his faithfulness. By his faithfulness and your faith in his faithfulness. Then he gives his spirit. Those were the five things that stood out in Peter's explanation in defense of the gospel to the Gentiles. So therefore, 
That will mean that the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the Doron, is a physical demonstration of our inward reality. The gift of the Holy Ghost is a physical demonstration of the inward reality. So again, that's a polite revelation. Again, Peter, I believe that those words were smoother here. Peter could articulate and communicate effectively in this chapter. I believe because he has met brother Paul. It's not that he didn't know before. He knew it in the four gospels. But you know there's something about that enlightenment that Paul will give to you when he comes to the gospel. And Paul has that Sophia, that insight. And that's the same thing that Apollos encountered because Apollos was a student of brother Paul. He now began to explain his terms very well. So where are they getting all these from? Remember our third marker, which is circumcision. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, as I begin to wrap up the service tonight, are you glad you came? Can I have a better amen? So our first understanding of circumcision will be from who? Where is the law of first mention with circumcision? Genesis. Who? Abraham. So, if Abraham is the first mention of circumcision, that means our understanding of circumcision begins with Father Abraham. Abraham's circumcision is of the heart. Because Abraham was justified without physical circumcision. So, whatever Abraham did in the flesh was just a symbol of what was already in his heart. It was a parable of what had happened in his heart. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse number 6. And it shall come to pass. 30 verse 6 brother, not verse 1. Chapter 30 verse number 6. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 30 verse 6. Glory to God. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse number 6. What's happening? The guy is hanging on my screen. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse number 6. Well, if you got your Bible, grab it. And the Lord thy God will circumcise what? Thine heart. Huh? And the heart of thy seed. And what will be the result of the circumcision? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. The live there is eternal life. So that means Moses in his writings presents two circumcisions. Which and which? Heart and the flesh. The one by faith and the other by works. And that circumcision of the heart is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So when Jesus said, Moses wrote about me. Are you seeing how Moses wrote about Jesus? Is it getting clear? Now, stay with me. Matthew 15 verse 8. So Jesus calls, listen carefully. If you miss this one, you shouldn't have been in this whole service. Jesus calls physical circumcision the doctrines of men. <laughs> Jesus, look at it. These people draw it nigh unto me with their heart, with their mouth, with their mouth, and honor me with their lips. 
but their heart is far from me. In what in what circumstances did Jesus make this statement? Washing of hands. Eating without washing hands. Eating without washing hands. He was quoting from Isaiah 29, 13. That's where Jesus was quoting from. Isaiah 29, 13. Give me Matthew again, 15 verse 8, so that it can be very clear now. These people draw it nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. Look at me. I want everybody to read together with me because I really want you to get this. Let's go. One, two, go. These people draw it nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Next verse. Verse 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So whatever weighs in on things is the commandment of men. Anything that weighs in on things, olive oil, handkerchief, Koboko, sword of the Lord. All of them are commandments of men. Because the God of Israel dwells in the heart. His worship is in the spirit, which is the reality. The God of Israel dwells in the heart. His worship is in the spirit. Which is in the reality. That's why Jesus now gave them Matthew 15, 14. Put it up. Pay attention. Matthew chapter 15 verse 14. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Ah, Jesus. Then look at verse 16 to 18. How Jesus is now taking this discourse, this narration. And Jesus said, are you also without understanding? Because from the beginning of this chapter, we've been talking about washing, eating food without washing hands. Why are your disciples? Because it is not allowed in the law of Moses. In the law of Moses, you don't eat food without washing your hands. Why are your disciples breaking the law of Moses? Jesus said, you people are just zeroing in on the commandments of men. In vain you worship. You worship with your lips, but your heart is far. Then Jesus continues talking. He said, the people that are commandering you people in this misbehavior, they are blind people. And if the blind lead the blind, they fall into a ditch. They have not still gotten it all. So Jesus now said, are you also Without understanding. Next verse. <laughs> Do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? Next verse. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. It's exactly what Paul taught in Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 to 22. Same thing. Colossians 2, 18 to 22. Taste not, touch not. He said, look at the true circumcision. It is the removal of the flesh by Christ in his resurrection. 
That's the true circumcision. Colossians 2, 12 to 22. So, the God of Israel. Question. Where will we have the God of Israel? Huh? Where is the law of Israel? Where is the circumcision of Israel? So the God of Israel in the heart, the law of Israel in the heart, the circumcision of Israel in the heart. Are we still here? John 7.22, last scripture. John 7.22 to 24. Moses therefore gave unto you, this is Jesus, pay attention to Jesus. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision. Not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye, on the Sabbath day, circumcise a man. <laughs> you people don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> he didn't say, and ye, on the Sabbath day, circumcise a boy. <laughs> You corner a full-grown man. <laughs> I give him pain. <laughs> On the Sabbath day. <laughs> Just because you want him to be righteous. You're circumcising on the Sabbath day. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me? Because I have made a man every withhold on the Sabbath day. 24. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. He was saying what Moses gave you was from the fathers. So Jesus is giving credence to Genesis 15. From the fathers. Genesis 15. Question. Is Genesis 15 the circumcision of the flesh or of the heart? So we are the circumcision. Do we have the circumcision? In this house tonight? We are the circumcision. We don't have the circumcision. We ourselves. We are that circumcision that worship God we are. Does that sound like John chapter 4? You shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship. The time cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father where? In spirit and in truth. We are the circumcision that worship God where? In spirit and have no confidence where? In the flesh. The true worship of God takes place in the hearts of men. Men who are reborn. Men who are regenerated. And there's no condition to salvation. Hear the gospel. Receive the gospel. You're saved. No steps. No keys. And I have news for you. Eternally saved. Glory to God. Are you blessed tonight? Stand on your feet. Let's close this service. We'll continue tomorrow. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Stand on your feet tonight. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, neighbor. All the tools you require to effectively preach the gospel. 
and to effectively witness Christ, you are receiving all the tools. Sound equipping. Sound preparation for the journey ahead. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Say to your neighbor, hey neighbor, we are the circumcision. It's not of the flesh. It's of the heart. And I'm glad that in the spirit, we are united with Christ Jesus. We are co-laborers with God in the advancement of his kingdom. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Are you not excited tonight? Abraham believed God and it was credited to his account for righteousness. Now they that receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, what happens to them? Who is reigning in this house tonight? Glory to God. Glory to God. Tell somebody I reign in life. Lift those hands. Let's blast in tongues for a few minutes tonight. I'd like you to pray with boldness. You are righteous. Pray with confidence. Just God, that he has found you faithful. He has put you in the ministry. He has counted you worthy. He has made you meet. He has made you qualified. You are an able minister of the New Testament, not of the later, but of the spirit. You are a life-giving spirit. Agara bereke, agala nimana, agamoneseke, agala tebara, angelerebo shakata, agalereba braga dozo bereke tinakaya. Look for somebody, grab somebody and begin to pray for that person. Pray for your neighbor. This year you will do much more. This year you are fired up. The zeal of God's house has consumed you. This year you shall not be weary. This year you shall not be tired. You will run and not be tired. You're fired up. The zeal of God's house has consumed you. You're saturated with all of God's purpose. You're filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You're fruitful unto every good work. You are kept by the power of God. You are preserved and positioned by Christ. Egelerebo shata aganto belia aganto belia aganto belia aganto belia aganto belia aganto belia aganto belia. You are kept by the power of God. Engebo sotalaba. You fulfill the ministry. You fight the good fight of faith. Agashukalaba. Angerede sokalada. Agele batona kata. Agele ne matoka bilagada gaba yata nakatele ne. You're kept by the power of God. You're preserved by Christ. You're an able minister of the New Testament. You're a minister of the Spirit. You have the ministration of righteousness. The sentence of God is in your mouth. You are boldness. A 
door of utterance is open unto you. Against Shotonakata, you have a mouth and a wisdom that cannot be resisted, and the adversary cannot gain say. Agashotada, Agashotoda, 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 Agashotoda. Leave your hands and grab somebody else. Minister to somebody else. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speak to one another. Lego shatatatea. Speak to one another. Legrado socolodo boshataya. Strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. Jekoroto sikaladababa. You have the supply of the spirit. You have the supply of the spirit. You are comforted by the Holy Ghost. Legrada sokere de sikayada. Your body is healthy. I decree. Lekoroto sokabaragada. You receive boldness. Boldness to preach the word. Boldness to declare the heart of God. Boldness to declare the mandate of God. Boldness to declare the will of God. Boldness to to declare the mandate of Christ wherever you are found, you speak the word with boldness. You are not afraid. You're kept, you're delivered, you're preserved by the power of God. You fulfill the purpose of God. You fight the good fight of faith. You lay hold onto eternal life. You preach the word in and out of season. You declare you preach the word in and out of season you are not afraid you are unmovable you are unmovable you are steadfast you are always abounding in the work of the Lord you are always abounding in the work of the Lord I speak over you right now with great power you will give witness to the resurrection and great grace is upon you Legaroto suya agere de seke agara namake agara namake agara namake. You are not afraid. You are kept. You are bold. You are not intimidated. The spirit of God steers you up. You are steered up by the Holy Ghost. All the gifts of God that are on your inside, they are steered up. You do ministry without fear. You do ministry without fear. Agashandega. You agandegaya. You operate in the liberty of the spirit akatomea 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 angelerebo soto you have a mouth and a wisdom that your enemies cannot resist they cannot gain say in that hour you shall know what to say i declare that as you open your mouth your words go with power sharper than two edges sword angelerebo shatter and the lord works with you confirming his word with signs and wonders angelerebo soka agalarebasha lord of the harvest push out laborers Laborers in our communities, laborers in our nation, laborers in our continents. Olabashakaya, Agarata Sekea, Angalanama, Angalanama, laborers, Agarata Saka, to bring in the harvest, Agashotalaba, Lord of the harvest, Alebayana, 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 Elebarokatadaba. Lose the hand and pray for yourself. 
even the youth shall fall, shall faint and utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Have you not heard that the everlasting God does not sleep nor slumber, does not faint nor falter? For even the youth shall fail and utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord, you are refreshed. You are renewed by the will of God. You are kept and preserved. You walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You are fruitful unto every good work. Ministry flourishes. Because of you, the word of the Lord is not hindered. The message of Christ is received by those that do not believe. Speak to your body. Every sickness dissolve. Every disease melts out. Whatever is not planted by my heavenly father shall be rooted out. Every disease, every infirmity is rooted out. Satan, lose your holes. Take off your hands. The barriers are broken. The zeal of the Lord has consumed me. It's like fire shut up in my bones. Agarato sekia, agete manga, agete manga, agete manga, agente manga. I have been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my spirit and in my body that is God's. We pray for citizens, members of our city, those that are sick right now. We rebuke sickness. We rebuke disease. We root out every infirmity, every infection, every oppression, every oppression. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing those that were oppressed. Every oppression, oppression in your eyes, oppression in your ears, oppression in your heart, oppression in your brain, oppression in your kidney, oppression in your liver, oppression in your blood, oppression in your muscles, oppression in your tendons, in your tissues, every oppression in your cells, they are flushed out, they are flushed out. The power of God is at work in your body. The power of God is at work in your members. The power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in your organs. Your body cooperates with the healing power. Your body cooperates with the healing word of God. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Body be healed. Body be healed. From your head to the soles of your feet. Paralysis flush out. Paralysis flush out. Your body comes alive. Your organs are quickened. Your veins are quickened. Your tissues are quickened. Your muscles are quickened. There is a rejuvenation taking place in your body, in your back, in your bones. Agatanaka, Agatanaga, 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 
sit down, take your hands off. Body be loosed from infirmity, body be loosed from oppression, body be loosed, be loosed. I am Anga Santeke, Anga Latata, Agalatata, 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 Agalatata. The oppression is broken, the oppression is lifted. There is a refreshing, there is a refreshing in your soul, there is a refreshing in your body, there is a refreshing in your mind, there is a refreshing in your muscles. Lift those hands and begin to give him praise. Lift those hands and begin to give him praise. Begin to give him praise. Bro, Gadanga Gegelede washer. Begin to give him praise. He reproved kings for your sake. He suffered no man to do you wrong. Leando Gashaka, you trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Elama Shatalaba, healing power is flowing through you. Breda dada, breda dada, breda dada, breda dada, breda dada. Hey, hey! Give him praise in the building. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus, it is done. Sick bodies are healed from your head to the soles of your feet. Whatever is missing is recreated. New organs are restored. Tumors disappear. Tumors melt out. Cancers flush out. High blood pressure flush out. Sugar diabetes withers. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted, 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 rooted out. In the name of Jesus. Where you need a miracle, receive a miracle. Receive a miracle. Receive a miracle. Doors are opening. New relationships. Ideas and concepts. You make good money. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is the year. We do much more. Much, much more. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Woo, I tell you. Glory to God. Say with me, body, behave yourself. You will be well throughout this year. No deformity, no infirmity, no inabilities. You will not malfunction. You are the vehicle of the gospel. My body, you are a gospel vehicle. Therefore, you are serviced for the master's work. In the name of Jesus. Kabayadas. Say my body cooperates. With the will of God. I serve the purpose of God. To my generation. I didn't hear your amen. amen. Kayada. 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 Bula Toba. Bula Toba. No complications. No inefficiencies. 
No deficiencies. No inabilities. And no limitations. Zakatunga tata. Bruta tele. Magandungaga. Makwa makwa ekelita patata. Throughout this year. You'll be fat and flourishing. Healthy and fresh. Your youth is renewed. Younger than ever. Say I serve the purpose of God To my generation I didn't hear your amen Glory to God Glory to God Throughout tonight just be blasting Amen Thank you for your partnership. All the partners who are responding, we appreciate all of you. If you are here to get our response, be patient, you will get it. If by tomorrow you don't get it, tomorrow evening, I'm going to read a phone number you can call quickly and complain that you have applied for partnership. Nobody has invited you to the WhatsApp group and no response so that we can fix whatever might be, you know, the issue. But we've responded to almost everybody that has switched out. And those of you that are here too, as the Spirit of God tears you up, we are focused this year. We have a huge assignment. And your partnership is going to be very relevant to this assignment. Every month, you decide what you want to support this ministry with every month. And just shoot a mail, draabeldamina at yahoo.com. I'm renewing partnership or I want to join the partnership. Indicate. And of course, also remember, we have a one-time commitment we're all making to be redeemed by the end of this month. Thank you for responding to the message of Christ. And thank you for responding to the needs of the world, which is the gospel. Praise God. Grab your honor offerings. Let's give him faith tonight as we get ready to go home. 5.30 tomorrow the doors are open. Six on the dot. I'm live teaching. We have a lot to unpack. God punish the devil. Praise God. Lift up your offerings. Father, we honor you tonight. Thank you for those giving online on television. Those giving physically here. Our offerings are a sweet smell before you. And we rejoice because much more will be done for your glory. In Jesus name. Amen. All those online, we love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Tell more people about what God is doing. Enjoy the grace of Christ. Amen. We trust that you have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the messages by Dr. Abel Daminer, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com.